Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots as well as free returns and exchanges and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of the Habitat Podcast, where we are here to become better habitat managers through the experts and hunters that we interview across the country. I'm your host, Jared Van Hees, and thank you again to the listeners for tuning in to another episode. Glad to have you back. I'd also like to thank the listeners for going on to our iTunes page and leaving all the good reviews on there. Uh, We are climbing up the iTunes charts based on your five-star reviews, so we really do appreciate it. And I'm getting free decals sent out to whoever leaves us a good review on iTunes. Go on there under the podcast app. You can see us. Give us a five-star rating and go ahead and type a text review down below that. And, uh, you know, I will find you, message you, and get you a free decal sent your way. Thank you again for everybody who's already done that for us and who is subscribing on the podcast app as well. I'd also like to mention our email giveaway. We had one done at the end of March for everybody who submitted their email address. Stan Holman was the gentleman who won the email competition for the month of March. We're going to be doing another one at the end of April. So if you guys have not submitted your email address on HabitatPodcast.com, please go on there and do that, and you will be automatically entered into a giveaway. Stan won a scent crusher uh, portable ozone generator, the one that you plug into your your car cigarette lighter uh, to go ahead and and clean out every smell in your car on the way out to your stand. So, Stan, I emailed you. uh, Give me a response back. We'll get that shipped out to you. And thank you to all who have submitted their email address so far. We will continue to keep all of you in the monthly email drawing. Thanks again for that, guys. Um, next, I'd like to tell you about who is on the line tonight. Nick Percy from Killer Food Plots is our guest tonight. Brian and I uh, 
had a great discussion with Nick. He's the sponsor of the show. He's a longtime friend. Uh, I've used his products for four years now, I believe, going on maybe year five now. Uh, Brian just got a ton of stuff uh, picked up from Nick at the Ohio show this year. We are excited to talk about 2019 plans with the Killer Food Plus product lineup. Uh, Nick has a couple exciting new products coming out. One has to do with treating bacteria in your water holes. If you're like me and you plant what I call a Teddy Clark water hole, which is a little, you know, 20-gallon hole-in-the-ground tub for the deer right by my stand, uh, there's a way to treat that and and keep the mosquito larvae, etc., uh, from having too much bacteria in your water hole. So Nick gets into his new product with that. Also, he has some new seed blends coming out. I know he's getting into switchgrass and some other great uh, seed blends that we're going to cover here in this episode. Again, when we talk to Nick, it's all so much information to write down. So have your notepad ready, guys. This is another great episode, just full of free information. So thank you again, Nick, for coming on the podcast. I would like to thank... Killer Food Plots for sponsoring this episode. I would also like to thank Nick Nation with the Habitat Hook, Lincoln Roan at Packer Max Cultipackers, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, and Dip That Hydrographics. All of those companies are on either our website or our Facebook page, and they are the reason we can keep running this show. Uh, There are a lot of costs involved, and they help uh, keep this show going. So thank you very much, guys, for uh, supporting the podcast. We're really happy to be partnered up with uh, not just great companies, but great people as well. So uh, without further ado, I would like to get Nick Percy on the line, and uh, let's talk food plots, guys. Nick, how you doing, man? What you been up to? Uh, doing good, Jared. Doing good. Busy time of the year for us, brother. we got a lot going on, and a lot of new products and new launches. And no, Getting ready for the big spring summer planting time yeah no i got to see you for about what 10 minutes today at a, a mutual friend of ours so that was pretty cool but you guys were off and yeah, that, again on to another job yeah yeah well you know i the stars aligned for us so that we could uh be at this the right place at the right time together today and hook you up with a, a new guy that you can help out who's a good buddy of mine and you know we're working on we're always moving and shaking. We're getting into the world of industrial hemp and planting and, um, you know, so got some exciting things going on there, which is diversifying our business. Um, it's not necessarily a whitetail thing, but it's uh, something that's near and dear to my heart. And it has to do with organic farming and producing a great product uh, in a slightly different industry, although we do have our sun hemp in our lineup and our KFP lineup. So, that's exciting, but uh, this will be a little bit different. And, oh, very nice. You know, yeah, that, not that like I have awesome. any spare moments in the day. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know you uh, You have less free time than I do, and I have three young kids, so I can't imagine right. uh, you know, you're always burning it at both ends. Um, now, since we've yeah. had you on the podcast last, I believe that was early last fall, talking about last-minute food plots. What have you been up to since then? Well, uh, you know, a lot of exciting things going on. I I uh, was looking forward to getting a little hunting done last fall, and um, then the bottom, I guess, kind of dropped out. I lost my job last year as an engineer. I'd been an engineer for 20-some years, and uh, I had left my 
long-standing automotive employer and went to a, a new opportunity uh, as an engineering manager and was doing very well there. Um, but uh, apparently I chased my dream and my passion, which you know is killer food plot, a little too hard and a little too much. Um, things grew and our business grew, and I think, honestly, it became uh, seen as a risk to my employer that maybe I wouldn't be around too long, and they were going through some reorganization. And honestly, it ended up being a pretty scary time for me. Um, but uh, in the end, it ended up being a great blessing. You know, the big man always always laying down the brick road for us to follow, and the pieces of the puzzle don't always seem to make sense at the time. But uh, in the end, it makes total sense. There's no way I could have waited till spring to decide to make that plunge and jump out of the nest and free fall. Um, had I waited till now or potentially even a month or so from now, there would have been no way to be in the position we are now and be as ready as we are for spring and summer. Heck yeah, man. And you guys, I know we helped uh, just share one of your posts a couple times about some spring property consoles. Have you guys been busy with those? And what are you guys doing uh, with those now that you have them booked? Yeah, we are, we've been running, I've been running property consultations uh, three to four days a week uh, since basically late last year. Um, We had a couple weeks, well, last, last week I had a few consults we had to reschedule because, you know, we got that real heavy snow. Um, up in the uh, upper northern part of the lower peninsula that left several feet of snow on the ground still for a lot of those clients, so they didn't feel like snowshoeing around with me. So besides that, we've been running consults three to four days a week. Um, And then, of course, the show circuit, which, you know, we always look forward to meeting face-to-face and talking with a lot of our uh, current customers and meeting a lot of new, new folks and educating and been doing a lot of speaking at um, Field Stream Deer in Turkey, the Grand Rapids Expo, and several other things, uh, several other speaking opportunities, which, you know, I love that stuff. I love to educate. I love to share what I've learned, both uh, in the good way and some of my crocodile pit experiences so others don't have to experience <laughs> those. No, and, painful. and how was that Deer in Turkey show down there? Um, you know, we've had some rather successful shows, and, and honestly, it seems like attendance was a little low this past weekend in Columbus, which is really unfortunate because that's normally our number two or number three show as far as uh, sales and and uh, attendance. Wow. Um, and I don't know how much St. Patty's Day and celebration had to do with it, but it seemed like maybe there was a big game on TV or something, but it did seem like around 2.30 or 3 o'clock on Saturday, things kind of really dwindled down as far as attendance and people in the aisle. Um, But we had a lot of excitement. We had a lot of existing customers, a lot of new customers, both on Friday and Saturday, and a little bit on Sunday. Um, We had people that came back that were there on Friday and Sunday to do, you know, to do some uh, purchasing and finish up getting explanations from myself and our team. Um, and it's, you know, most important to me is that we had an opportunity to talk to people, educate, answer their questions, and make sure they get 
um, get kicked off on the right foot, especially the new folks that have never done, you know, our new new guys and gals that have never done food plots before. Well, if yeah, I'm trying to think if that I'll go ahead, shows. I'm trying to think if that show is falling on um, St. Patty's Day before or not. That's that's interesting because I had to bounce for my daughter's birthday, so I was out of there probably before two o'clock. But man, you were cranking them through the booth up until then. I had a hard time getting in there even talking to you. <laughs> yeah, it was uh, it was a really busy set. I mean, it was elbow to elbow. But you know, normally those shows, this show goes till I think seven, I don't know, seven or eight o'clock. I think it was 7 o'clock on Saturday. And normally, you know, around quarter 6, 6 o'clock, things start to wind down and people start to make their way out. Um, you know, dinner time can sometimes cause that. But, man, they were, like, really three hours off that um, early. So um, I'll be honest, by the time we got out to dinner, there were some people pretty loaded. They'd been drinking for a while. <laughs> um, you know, a little wild and whooping it up, Ohio Buckeyes or whatever out there whooping it up in Ohio. But, uh, um, no, you know, that show is a lot of our staff are from Ohio. You know, a lot of our customers we have in Ohio. We've shot some – our customers have shot some giant bucks down there. It was good to see oh, yeah. team together. Kind of a KFC family reunion happens on that weekend, you know, and Mark Hammer and Bob Sissler and uh, Mike Fairman and those guys, you know, we get together. Um, we had a great representation from our staff and, and definitely, uh, you know, I'm a Wolverine, but I have to tolerate the, all the jabs and poking for being one when I go to Ohio. So oh, it's yeah. all good. That's it's okay. Good. That's okay. We have uh, – Lots of friends in Ohio, and, and their deer hunting is uh, also excellent. So, you yep. know, if, if the Buckeyes yep. is the only thing that's gone wrong down there, then that's okay, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally kidding, oh, yeah. totally we, kidding. We, we have we have lots of fun down there. But, uh, no, it was, you know, I think it was uh, overall it was a good weekend uh, for, you know, engaging. There was a lot of questions, you know. It seems like a lot more people are recognizing the value of, uh, food plots, and, you know, where historically they probably did a lot of baiting and tracking in that fashion, but more and more people are getting involved in food plots, and the benefit of that is you get a lot more natural movement by deer in and out of those type of plots. Um, there's a, it seems like more and more people are, are just entranced by our Border Patrol strategy and our smoke screen and how we create trails and travel corridors for not only the deer but for the hunters to, you know, be able to cruise by bedding areas or feeding deer in the food plot to get into their stands and get positioned undetected. Um, you know, that's my one of my passions is, you know, the strategy of, of habitat and the strategy of the food plot. Very nice. And, Brian, what did you learn while you were down there talking with Nick? Well, I think one of the reasons Nick gets so many people in there with so many questions is he's he's doing so much original uh, content and so, so many uh, unique things with his uh, approach to the food plot scene because a lot of booths you go in, and, I, and I'm not trying to talk bad about any other companies, but a lot of booths you go in, they just take whatever seed they get at the uh, – uh, seed supply and make their own mix and throw it in a bag and put a label on it. Nick, Nick's going way beyond 
just throwing a couple of things together. He's testing, he's trying new things, and I, I think that's what brings so many people to his booths, and they're so interested in what he's got going on. Yeah, I think if you look oh, at definitely. the the feed the the tags on the back of his bag, I mean that's that's always my first go to. And Nick, we even talked about that today during our meeting. You know, those that information back there is uh, is key when you're comparing to some of the other people you might see out there, or uh, if you're making your own mix. But yeah, people people talk about you know quality, right? And what does quality mean? You know, I have quality seed, and you know I've had. I've had some pretty in-depth conversations with buyers and, and you know, uh, seed growers. And, you know, it seems like the word quality gets thrown. We have high-quality seed. But what does that really mean? And I can tell you that I don't, I don't worry about what comes out of the ground until I worry about what's going on under the ground. And we really, we focus um, – you know, I'm a problem solver. You know that about me. I, I get all excited when someone says there's a problem, my ears perk up, and I'm I'm there. And so when I look at the, the challenges that we've had over the last 29 years of growing food plots from the early days of my utter failures um, at the expense of my buddy's wallet um, to, you know, managing and starting to plant for customers and dealing with different soil conditions, Mother Nature, Bless her heart, she always takes us to the mat every year and tries to choke us out. But, um, you know, we've developed some pretty important products, not only in our seed products, but in our soil building and water and nutrient management tools with Retain, our organics and replenishing the missing nutrients and, you know, uh, replenishing the biology without dumping a bunch of salt in the soil. And we'll talk about that hopefully in a minute, um, organics versus a synthetic fertilizer. But... On the seed side, we're very, very focused on how the seeds we're putting in the bag interact with one another in the soil. And not only that, but the species of seed that we're putting together and what that outcome is in the tonnage per acre. But as you guys alluded to earlier, earlier, you can plant a great-looking food plot. But if the deer do not eat it, what is the point? If they do not benefit from it, what is the point? And if they consume it and it fills their gut and it deals with addressing hunger pangs, but it's not doing anything to truly benefit their body or give them the energy or the protein and the essential nutrients, again, what is the point? And early on, you know, those are some of the very statements I said in developing and raising high-fence white tails, as I said, what is the point of me growing this if it is not changing the health of my deer, if it's not growing my deer, if it's not affecting their carrying capacity and their body weight in a positive way. And so, again, problem A, number one, figure out what works. What's going to make a difference in the body of that deer? How is it going to affect the unborn fawn? Getting those does uh, to recover from the intensity of rut um, from the breeding, carrying those fawns, and then being able to carry out an effective two-month lactation cycle, which is absolutely crucial in establishing the next generation of buck and doe fawns uh, in your deer herd. Yeah, that's definitely taking it to the next level. Uh, I'm sure there's not too many seed companies that are thinking that far ahead, and, and that's, that's real important. And like you said, being a problem solver, 
Uh, my buddy Dave Ham that you were talking to at the show, he had an issue with his clover growing in rocky ground. And without missing a beat, you just walked them through, you know, okay, that's no problem. We, we got this solution. We'll get you some retain, help with the moisture so it doesn't get burned out. And uh, you answered a lot of questions for him. And he said, man, I've asked six or seven other people about this, and nobody could ever give me a straight answer. Well, I appreciate that. And, you know, I, I've i seen that situation. You know, my clients have – and, you know, we manage in 29 states, and so there's lots of opportunities to run into those kind of challenges. And, you know, there's several states, Michigan being one of them, that has a lot of rock. I mean, our southern Michigan ground, yeah, we have some quality ground, but we have a lot of rock, especially down by you, Jared. There's a ton of rock in Jackson and Jonesville area, uh, down in that sector of the, of the state. And we are dealing with, with rocky soil, when it gets hot and dry, that those rocks are superheated like in a sauna, right? And they can cook the roots of your plant. And so one of the things that are retained 100% organic uh, or uh, natural-based organic pellets do is they help to absorb moisture and nutrients, and by doing so, they swell. And so what starts out the size of a turnip seed each one of those pellets can be about the size of a jumbo marble with maybe the sides jaggedly trimmed off of it um, and about a quarter inch thick. It can hold, each one of those pellets can hold 300 times their original weight and moisture and nutrients. And in doing wow. so, they expand and displace soil, right, and gravel or rocky soil by opening up the soil and allowing oxygen to flow at the root level of the plant, it can also aid in cooling the root systems. Um, by having that moisture contained <clears throat> and pulling that moisture and nutrients in, when that plant starts to rapidly grow, what can what happens um, is that by opening the soil, the roots can get deeper in the soil. They can get down away from that surface area where the hot, sun and the high temperatures are drying the ground to get into that moisture that moisture will allow a better foliage production above ground which will limit the amount of sunlight that gets to the actual seed bed the surface of the soil um, essentially keeping it cooler but then also by swelling and expanding and breaking up compaction with more oxygen flow it truly can can cool that gravel or cool that soil down and keep those roots in a in a temperature zone that will help them thrive instead of die. That's pretty amazing stuff, Nick. And to be honest, not just because I like you and, and love your company and your products, I haven't seen anybody else offer a product like this. Um How'd you come across this product, and what other new products do you have, you know, out for out in the market this year? Well, you know, again, it was a problem for me as an installer and as a manager for many, many people and all over the country. I was dealing with similar problems, and so I'm I'm an engineer and I'm fairly intelligent, but nowhere near what it was going to take to put this together. So I reached out <laughs> to a good friend of mine who. I call him the mad scientist, but he works for a company that has the ability to do, and he does a lot of development and research um, 
and he's very much a problem-solving um, uh, type of individual as well, and he loves the challenge of figuring out these type of things. So he and I, whether he ultimately helps you find solutions or not, he and I do a lot of brainstorming and and looking at different resources and where can we go and who can we partner with to develop things that don't exist or um, there might be some marginal products that exist but don't serve the, the full purpose. And so he started doing some of that research. He works for a company that has the ability to produce similar um, chemistries and things that are essential for food plotting. However, they were not producing a product that was anywhere near, as my pro staff would call, nickified yet. Um, and so we really worked hard for, for several years here to take a uh, our initial attempt at putting a product that would last less than a year, would fall apart, um, and over a period of time prove out a, a product in our, in our retain that will now last for three years in the soil. It's an, it's an organic-based uh, pellet, and it will last for a solid three years doing its job and continuing to work regardless of freezing, regardless of how hot it gets, um, the available moisture swells and, and shrinks and swells and shrinks numerous times. If you cut it with a disc or rototiller, um, it still continues to work even regardless of slicing the pellets in half and and for me, what's important is that it's producing results for not only right. myself and my customers, but it's producing results for those who lack maybe the knowledge or understanding entirely of the food plotting process. Um, we've got a lot of a lot of great things, you know. And you yeah, ask for sure. other products. We're working on a liquid. We've been working on this liquid line forever, and and trying to find some solutions to negative bacteria in the soil and. You know, I told you here not too long ago, everybody's gotten this big kick of putting these little cesspool water holes for their deer all over their property. And what they don't realize is they're going to be introducing negative bacteria into the body of their deer, into the gut of their deer, and that's going to supersede and, and start to attack the the uh, balance of the healthy bacteria they need to break down the food and nutrients they're taking in. So well, I'm going Nick, to not go to, to work on that. Nick, b- <laughs> before you go to work on that, Asking for a friend here uh, who also has 15 acres. In, um, <laughs> I'm wondering if uh, I did plant a couple of those water holes, what are you doing to combat that bacteria that could be in there? Well, um, we've been doing some studies with a company that has the ability to produce um, some product some, to reduce the, the negative particulate or the negative bacteria in those areas. Um I don't have a name for all the products that we're producing yet uh, to release necessarily, but I can tell you that we're on the cusp of, uh, of making some announcements as the year progresses, hopefully before we get the hot, hot summers where a lot of that algae and a lot of the fungus, and not fungus, but the bacteria starts to produce in these holes um, so that we can get those products out to people and they can start to treat those um you know, those small or large watering holes to avoid the negative um, results of, of a stagnant watering hole. Okay. Very nice. Um, I tell you what, though, if, if we can neutralize that water in terms of bacteria, I had 
in Michigan a 140 plus inch deer drinking out of it. Uh, so back to Teddy Clark episode, I don't remember, I think it was seven, or maybe he has seven acres, so it wasn't seven. I can't, I can't recall exactly, but I, I planted there's a seven in there somewhere. Yeah, there's a seven in there somewhere. I planted a couple of those holes, and I tell you what, I watched you use them all year long, and I get your concern too. So if there is a way where both things can can meet and equalize, that would be awesome. Yeah, well, and that's my goal because water is definitely important. Um, Whitetails get 85% of their moisture intake comes from the plants they eat. Right. But that 15% is very critical, and especially during the high, you know, hot drought that does occur in many of our states. Um, they definitely need supplemental water, and if you don't have water on your property, they're definitely going to wander somewhere else to get it. So if right. you're trying to hold those deer nice and tight to your property, um, having a, a clean, uh, moving water source is best. Um, you know, the moving water seems to uh, have less of the issues. But whitetails are inundated with negative bacteria throughout their their rummaging through the woods and looking for food, and, and uh, it's not just in water watering holes, but that is definitely one of those areas where I want to come up with a solution that can benefit people, and we can do that without putting bad chemicals into the water to address bacteria there and killing off the bacteria in the stomach of the deer. So that is, that, that is a key component. Um, you're not going to do normal water treatment um, and without some negative impact. So those are the things that we've been studying and, and working on very closely, looking at the impact to make sure, as any other KFP product we put out, that we can stand behind it and we know that we're not doing uh, any type of negative impact to our white sale. No, I, I love it. I think that's an exciting new product, and I cannot wait to be one of the first to test it here at the podcast. So that sounds awesome. Uh, you will be. <laughs> <laughs> I want you to. I want that 140-plus-inch buck to, to be living and not be not be sick or getting the uh, Hershey squirt and getting dehydrated, brother. Right, no. Make that water hall work its, work its magic in a good way. Trust me. No, I hear you. No, that's, that's awesome. And and what I like about you most is you're just so knowledgeable, and a lot of people are knowledgeable, don't get me wrong, but it seems like you're just a problem solver and you're not you're not copying what everybody else is doing. You're you're on your own path, which I respect a lot. So that, that's awesome, man. A very cool new product. Um now, moving forward, when people are, are prepping their soil, getting their thoughts in their head on, on what they want to do this spring, um, where do you come in? I mean, I know you guys offer some soil test kits. Let's talk about that. But then then what? Like, when it comes to planning, uh, I mean, Brian has a, has a very detailed plan for his property. Where, where do you step in in terms of planning out? once your soil is, is maybe ready? So um, in the, the arena of soil testing, we definitely do uh, soil testing. We're looking at organic matter. We're looking at the level. Um, again, in the new product side of things, we're, we are ready, uh, almost ready to announce a new product. Um, it's very close. We're going to run into the room like Kramer and just at the last <laughs> second. Um, I love that. But, you know, I know it's, it's, that guy cracks me up. But honestly, we've got to get this product rolling. We've got a liquid 
um, product that we're going to be able to spray on the ground. It's also going to deal with uh, negative nematodes in the soil. It's going to address negative bacteria, and it's going to feed the healthy bacteria um, immensely. And it's going to help in with applying micro and macronutrients into the soil in a liquid form. Uh, some of the I can't wait to talk in more detail about the step by step. It's a little preliminary. Um, I don't want to spend the whole time talking about it, but I will be sharing it with you, um, you guys extensively, and we'll be having you put it in the ground and be able to talk to people about it. It's a very exciting product in the fact that for those that cannot get that granular uh, fertilizer, don't have the ability to get 40-pound bags of Groganics back to where you need to go, um, that you're going to be able to put a salt-free, highly nutrient-rich spray, foliar spray, and or ground prep and conditioner, which will eat negative bacteria, eat the sludge of salt from years and years of applying salt-based synthetic fertilizers. It will also consume, like I mentioned, the bad bacteria in the soil, uh, neutralizing it. Um, They aren't exactly sure uh, what is going on with the the phenomenon of what this product can do, but it is breaking down phosphorus, and it is breaking down high magnesium, and it is moving the bar back in the right direction, which is exciting. Um, So as we – this has been tested in in numerous states, and we've got some uh, not only – you know, independent studies going on with different states, but um, we've got some college testing going on at some of the universities, and they've got a lot of data and a lot of research behind this product that um, that we're going to be launching here soon. So, stay tuned to that. That'll be that'll be a product that we've got tons and tons of data to support. It's not just I'm going to tell you it does this. We'll be able to, to back it up with data. And a soil test is getting back to the soil test. The soil test establishes the baseline or the blueprint of what's going on in your soil. And we're going to show by taking a soil test prior to applying this product and prior to planting um, with with applying this product along with some of our others that you're going to be able to see some leaps and bounds success compared to previous years, um, not only in the uh, – the quality of the soil and, and the plants are growing, but the desirability, we're going to be able to increase sugars in year one, 15 to 20% in the plant. Um, there's a lot of a lot of really good benefits to this product. Um, we're also doing some extensive research with Michigan State and uh, hoping to get, get that kicked off here in the next month or so. Um, they've applied. We're, we're talking about them for applying some, for some grants for some federal dollars to be able to do some more extensive studies. But there's some even greater benefits to this product that are going to be researched, and uh, I'm excited about the future of what it can be. No, that's awesome. And I know I asked you more about that earlier. What we're going to call it, and we can't quite talk about trade names and and trademarks yet. But I'm excited to hear about that. Um, so say we're, we're to that point now, we've really addressed our soil and its needs. How do you go about recommending to 
the regular Joe Blow like myself on where to start, how to make that property plan if you haven't hired a Habitat consultant? Well, first of all, once your soil's corrected, we need to talk about the type of soil you have, what type of moisture content you're going to have in that in that area. Sunlight, so sunlight makes a big difference. Um, if you're if you're just starting out correcting your soil, it may take a period of um, you know 30, 60, 90 days to get that soil fully corrected. And or if you're trying to build the organic matter and turn your sand into something. Um, you know, of higher quality and get the organic levels up and build that soil, you may start with something like a deep woods blend or you may be planting climatized or um, white rage does very well in, in a variety of different soils for a spring-summer food plot. And the strategy of what you know is a pivotal part of about what, everything we do whenever we can is we are a huge proponent of screening food plots um, with not allowing that mature buck or doe to be able to cruise through the woods 30 to 40 feet back off the edge of the field and, and kind of do a drive-by and, and look at the field and, and not really want to approach or go near that field until just before dark or after dark. Um, we want to force those mature bucks that are wondering if there's any does in the food source or out there in that, which is a very much a social area. We want to force them to commit to go look in the food plot, and we do that with our border patrol and our smoke screen screen wrapped around the perimeter. We dictate where they enter by creating the openings where we want, and then when they enter that food source, we immediately are putting up blocking walls or teed off walls that force them to kind of zigzag or may, kind of work through it as a maze. Um. No, I like that. It's a it's a very important product in terms of of screening. What else do you guys do in terms of planning for the the plan, if you will, itself? Um, do you have a well? We do consultations. I mean, yeah. we'll do consultations with people. So, um, you know, we've been running a, a special during the winter uh, series here um, of shows, and you know, we've been running a half day and a full day special. So, people okay. can still take advantage of that if they reach out to us. It's saving them one hundred and fifty dollars on a half day and three hundred dollars on a full day. Uh, we come out. We look at everything from the canopy to the to the uh, forest floor, everything in the middle. We look at evasives, entry exit strategy, food sources, uh, natural, supplemental, getting rid of those evasives and where we can apply or, or replant native species, uh, how, of course, to, to build soils and, and plant supplemental food plots, whether they be killer food plots or they be, um, you know, other fawning areas, perennial grasses. I mean, we look at all different types of stuff. We look at pond and wetland enhancement uh, opportunities. Selective timber harvest is huge, uh, you know, depending on what's going on. And, and we have a full timber management crew building buck bedding and doe bedding to actually hold deer on your property, understanding and uh, how many deer does a particular piece of property have the capacity to hold and to support, um, especially when we're talking doe family units, alpha and beta does. Um, they can be a bit territorial. Um, so it's important that that's laid out properly. 
there's about 40 some things that we go through as a checklist. Most importantly, what are our wow. customers' goals and objectives? So those goals and objectives of that customer are the number one thing that we need to address. We sit down at the beginning, we talk about it, we go through that list of, of items that, that are important to them. We fill in some things that we feel are important um, to not only educate them about, but how to, how to incorporate them into their particular property or their particular plan. Then we go get boots on the ground where we uh, either jump on the side-by-side or quads and, and get out there, but most importantly, we need to get off and put our boots on the ground. I want to educate. I want to teach. I want to show the customer and make sure they fully understand what's going on in their property. Starting with entry exit strategy, which is where tons of errors are made. You know, I walk the same trail my grandpa or my dad or my great whoever has taken for years and years and unfortunately usually yield the same poor results um, or low results instead of understanding minor changes can change the outcome of a hunt and can change the desirability of mature deer to flex in and flex out of a particular piece of property um, in the right places at the right time for that hunter to capitalize. Yeah, I think that's uh, very important and something the customers will appreciate, you taking the time not only to uh, tell them and show them what to do, but to uh, take another step further and explain the ins and outs of it. Now, Nick, that uh, video that was playing at your booth, uh, we talked about the layout with the Border Patrol, and you said you had a guy doing some mowing, and you had to stop him because he had mowed a little bit too far. Uh, You want to walk us through the method of your madness of how you go about deciding where you're going to mow and how you're going to lay that out? Yeah, in that particular uh, video, we were showing a property that we worked on for the guys from Outback Outdoors out in Kansas, and we had gone out there in the spring to do some planting. Um, It was a winter wheat field uh, the previous fall. And everything was ideal when we got out there to go ahead and turn that in and work that into the ground. However, on the way out, we had nonstop rain. And by the time we got there, they had four inches of rain had fallen in a very short wow. period of time. So it was very soggy, to say the least, that when I got there Friday morning. And um, the, 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 the next morning, we went out and... I walked around and it was like, it was horrible and um, literally soaking wet. So what I made a decision to do is to, instead of mow that down and try to turn it in, we took the discs and we turned them straight. And what what I did is I had the tractor, uh, had the guys jump in the tractor and cut the ground with the discs turn straight in straight lines and then go across the other way and crisscross it to kind of make a checkerboard, if you will. And we had a pretty good wind following the rain, and that helped to dry that ground out by the following morning. Um, we set up a strategy, and the strategy was to take this uh, roughly three-and-a-half to four-acre field, which divided the major timber and bedding area from the uh, of the does from the primary thick thick bedding areas of the bucks, and we wanted to create a connecting corridor, and so we these guys were excited to put into play our border patrol 
and show them how you can create hallways that connect right up to thick cover and draw those deer in, making them feel safe moving around during daylight hours. And we had planted that that weekend. In addition, on the inside of the maze or inside of that perimeter, we created several, a series of several different uh, five-foot-wide interior walls, and we had teed those off in in, um, opposite corners. And then in the middle, we put a big dividing wall. And the purpose of that was to not only take that big wide open field and make it seem smaller or more secure, but also to force bucks and does to to commit and move through those areas uh, to look for does to breed, for bucks to engage younger subordinate bucks to let them know who was boss. But one of the other techniques we did to make sure that regardless of whether bucks were going to look for does and or vice versa during breeding, um, we we have a, ten, uh, a technique where we take five to seven-foot saplings we dig out of the woods. When we're all done planting those plots, we drop those in each one of those corridors in multiple spots. So we have very specifically placed uh, helping and aiding and potentially our customer to have a shot angle at a deer, positioning the deer uh, or the, getting the deer to position his body for high percentage kill shot. But we have those licking branches and what ultimately in a social area, almost every single one of them ends up a ground scrape and, and busts it all to heck. So um, what will happen is those bucks and does will work those during daylight hours, during the night, any time that they're in that general area, they're not going to bypass that food source in that maze. Um, you had mentioned the gentleman who was there helping us, one of our one of our guys that helps us in Kansas with our food plots as part of the KFT staff. Um, he had actually mowed down uh, one of the walls. We had some pretty tall grass and weed growing in that field by the late season. Unfortunately, we had a very, very dry, after a very wet spring, we had an extremely dry summer um but fortunately we had retained in the ground which was helping but it was also helping grass and weeds that were in this brand new plot we put in so as he was mowing he didn't he kind of lost track of where he was probably daydreaming driving the tractor is kind of a pressure release <laughs> the pressure relief activity right so you just kind of lackadaisically going through the motions but he mowed right through one of our uh one of our interior walls that was made to screen the deer and kind of direct their movement. Uh, fortunately, Trevin and the gang from uh, Outback Outdoors were still successful in harvesting a great mature buck. Um, he played the script. He didn't notice the missing wall, and they were able to get it done uh, when they went back out there uh, to hunt. So, um, you know, we, we love the strategy. We love the game. Uh, we like to, you know, play that chess match and, you know, hey, what the heck, it's nice when you can win once in a while and beat that deer in his mind and his nose. For that, sure. That's amazing. That, and was that not the video from the the um, the film show at ATA, or was that a different video for Outback? Yeah, same. Yeah, that was the video we, we ran at ATA um, with the big di- It looked like a big diamond in the field. Yeah, yep. That was awesome. We show it green, and then we show it later in the year when the Border Patrol turns brown. And um, 
and then we had, you know, all the green in the middle of that with food. And so, yeah, we planted a spring-summer plot in there with climatized, um, which the deer absolutely annihilated. And like I said, the grass and weeds kind of came in. Um, being a first-year planting, they had done the, the winter uh, winter wheat the year before. was the first time they'd turned that kind of feral, that field, um, into okay. a food source in quite some years. But... Um, we replanted that in the fall with our carnage brassicas. We did the deep woods right in the corner where they had a stand where it, where it kind of came out of that diamond border patrol maze in that diamond and met the woods. We did deep woods because it was a little more shaded there. And then we bled that into a carnage plot and then a white rage. And then on the flip side, we did the same where we, uh, as it met the bedding area is we took it back into a carnage into deep woods again out the backside so the deer were moving through there um, eating. We also had some res- resurrection clover that we, after we applied the brassicas, we broadcast our resurrection clover in there. So we had really great early season, all spring and summer really, um, food, high protein in the climatize. And then going into fall, we had a, a high yielding 35 to 37% protein source in the clovers, which was great for early bow season for traveling in the gang. But, you know, our white rage with the extra sweet sugar beets and radishes, those deer will ravage those uh, radishes even early. It's not just a late season food source. And then some of the early season um, brassica blends and the kale that are in carnage were highly productive for them in that early bow season for activity. And that field was just covered up in deer. So, which of course, you know, is of huge interest to those cruising bucks going back and forth in the bedding area. No, that that's perfect, and uh, I think that gave the the listeners a little insight on how some of your successful clients have set up their fields uh, this past year and have shot nice year off them. So, no, thank you for that. Um, yes. Now, moving forward, this time of year, people are are frost seeding. And I know we've talked about frost seeding a little bit in the past, but it's such a an awesome way to to get some stuff in the ground. That I just want to cover it again. Uh, you know, what is frost seeding? How do you frost seed? Which of your products do you frost seed? Okay, so frost seeding happens in the south usually during uh, January and early February. Um, here in the Midwest. Uh, basically the month of March, late late February to basically early April. Um, I would try to get your frost seeding done by the 1st of April if you can. I'm not sure how things are going to go, and hopefully we don't have an extended snow like we did last spring. Um, so I would say now is, is really peak time to be frost seeding. Whether you have snow, you could have a couple feet of snow on the ground, or you could have bare ground. Um, the frost is going to start heaving out of the soil, and as it does, it pushes the soil up, and consequently, uh, up and around, and the soil becomes moist, and then it kind of sucks the seed down and sets it into the ground for you without having to do it mechanically, without having to turn the ground, which is a huge benefit because you're not breaking down organic matter. Every time you disc or kill the ground, you break down organic matter. 
So by broadcasting your, our resurrection clover, which we have six different clovers, very important to note that on clovers you want to have a hard seed rating, which we do on every one of our six clovers. Um, that gives you a higher yield um, or higher success rate on your germination of frost-seeded clovers. Um, one thing I can tell you is that, you know, all of our clovers are 90% germ. There will be some potential loss. Um, from frost eating, if your germination rate can be a little bit less than it would be in a uh, normal warm season planting, you know, when the, when the ground temperatures are warmer and the air temperatures are warmer here in the spring. However, the benefit is, is that those clovers, chicory, alfalfa, some of your cereal grains, even brassicas can be frost eated if you choose to do so or if you lack uh, the trackers and the implements and the ability to do so, um, those can be frosted as well. But they start and establish roots, and they begin to grow ahead of the grass and weeds establishing themselves in late June and July. And that gives them a head start, and it allows those that maybe don't have the time or, again, the equipment to get a healthy stand or a healthy food plot that will help the whitetails in their recovery early season. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Now, is there uh, anything else we should be adding to the um, frost seeding? Any, any, is this a good time to put any lime down or fertilizer or anything? So you can go ahead and apply lime, but lime generally needs to be worked in. So pellet lime and ag lime, it's very important that, to understand that they have to make contact with the soil. One particulate of soil must touch one particle of lime in order to neutralize or allow the, the available nutrients to be let out of the jail cell, so to say. And so okay. lime really needs to be worked into the soil. So if your ground were to start to uh, thaw, um, you would be able to run an implement and get that worked into the ground. The problem is is that most of the ground is frozen to some level, and you're not going to really want to start running your rototilt through it. It'll be like running it through asphalt or through Jared's property down there in Jackson. <laughs> <laughs> but not through your specific hey. property, brother, but hey. a lot of the properties down there that have a lot of rock. So. Yeah. My, mine is more, um, more sand than rock, so I have problems yeah. of my own. Yeah, you're very fortunate though that you don't have as many rocks as some of the. I saw some of my customers. I I I've started with. I'm like, man, I'm I'm planting rock gardens, not yeah. food plots. But yeah. Um. Jeez. But what I can say is to your question about fertilizer, you definitely don't want to put the fertilizers in the ground until your perennials and/or any of your cereal grains or brassicas get about three or four inches tall. Then you can feed them. Because what we don't want to do is we don't want to try to enhance or to help out any grass or weed um, success. We want to allow our food plots to get established or our, our specific deer species feed that we're putting in the ground for, for whitetails to germinate, take off, and get a head start. Then you can feed them and keep them ahead. Um, so it's definitely not necessary to fertilize it. All right. Speaking of fertilizer, I was uh, having a conversation with a gentleman at the expo. Uh, we were talking about your products, and he says, man, I've, I've had some really good luck with the killer food plots. And uh, he said, I'm intrigued by that Groganics, but 
but I'm a little bit concerned about the eight four four. He goes, that's that's a lot different than the triple thirteen or triple nineteen. And I I tried to explain to him about how you guys recommend three hundred pounds for a new plot per acre. I mean, we're only talking seven and a half bags at that rate, and it's it's not like it's going to be much different from putting something else up. Could you kind of go into that? The difference between the eight four that you're putting out and some of the other fertilizers people are talking about. Well, um, yeah. Hey, just before we jump on that subject, I did want to add one thing on the frosting. Sorry, but I just want to mention this. Yeah, it's good. Very important. It's very important on the frost seeding that we're frost seeding perennials into a food plot that was planted with a brass or a cereal grain or some other type of food source last fall. So we have essentially a clean, bare ground right. to frost seed onto. We don't want to try to frost seed into a area that is heavy in, in uh, grass content that maybe is dormant now, but it's got a strong root system. It would be very difficult okay. to overcome that by spraying the grass after the fact without doing more of a potent uh, gly uh, with some surfactants to kill that grass to the root, you'll have a more difficult time trying to use a like a grass out max after the fact to not kill the clovers or the chicories or the alfalfa, but still kill the grass. It will be a much harder um, journey to do that. So when we're talking about frost seeding, we're talking about putting this in known open areas that were previously planted in the previous fall. Um, so anyway, I just wanted to put that point out there. Um, no, I'm, I'm glad you did. We we have talked about that in the past, but it's very important to to make sure you you cover that because if you're going to go and broadcast your seed into an already healthy and very competitive grass patch, you're not going to get much growth. So, like like Nick said, for the listeners out there who haven't done this before, already prepped bare ground old food plot somewhere where the competition is is minimum. And your frost seeding will be will work very well. I mean, I did it last year, and I was blown away. I mean, I'm going to do it again tomorrow, actually, and uh, some more clover and chicory are going to, you know, go on the ground. So, yeah, definitely. Um, so, Brian, getting back to your comment or your question about the Groganics being an eight four four versus a triple thirteen, triple nineteen, or triple seventeen, or whatever people historically use. The difference in the um, in the fertilizer is a synthetic fertilizer. The end source is a very slow releasing, um, limited availability end source, as well as a uh, potassium. Uh, the release of potassium and phosphorus in the soil in the synthetic fertilizer. Synthetic fertilizers are bound together with salt and Salt kills biology in the ground, so it, it very much hinders the uh, survival of a lot of your uh, microorganisms, and it kills bacteria, it kills fungi in the soil. So over a prolonged period of time of using synthetic fertilizer without replenishing the bacteria and the fungi and the, the microorganisms in the soil, your soil will, will die a slow death. Um, and it's amazing to me um, as I test a lot of people's soils and I look at them and when they come into the lab or when I'm, or they're being processed, we look at these soils 
And, you know, it's important. You're not going to look at a soil and see that it's alive, but you're going to look at the soil report and you're going to see the organic levels in the soil. And, and I think, you know, um, most people are going to go the cheap route and they're going to go buy some whatever fertilizers on sale or whatever the cheapest stuff is and they're going to throw it out there and then they're going to buy very expensive seed um, varieties or, or, or maybe not and they're going to throw it out there and expect to have the field of dreams and that's just not how it works. Food plots are not, food plots do not have to be hard. They do not have to be this untouchable, like you can't produce them like they show them on TV, um, or like we produce out of our out of our killer food plots for our clients and pictures you see on our Facebook page. Those are real everyday people putting in food plots with success. But it starts with a a laboratory soil test that establishes where the holes are in the soil. Eight four four in a in a groganic is immediately the nitrogen, phosphorus, and potash are immediately available to the plant. We also have several other ingredients in that, micronutrients, very important. We're replenishing those. The bacteria and the fungi are being replenished by that product into the soil, so we're continuing to add life to the soil. The carbon that's in it feeds the bacteria. That's the food that causes the bacteria to multiply and they are very essential in breaking down the vegetation and into a state where the plant can eventually use them to have uh, to, to benefit the growth and establishment of the roots. Calcium, very important. Our calcium source is immediately available to this newly germinated seed root to be able to fortify and get lots of small hair, finite root. Um, sprouts out of that single germinated root that comes out of that seed to make that multiply. And you want that to spread so that it can seek out and, and by releasing and opening up the jail cells, the available nutrients that are locked up in the soil, by releasing that uh, through our application of either pellet lime or ag lime and making those nutrients available, also, by making the nutrients available through the Groganics fertilizer and what's in that bag, that plant can really fortify a strong root system, and a strong, wide, deep root system will help to choke out unwanted grass and unwanted weeds. Um, the additional things that are in Groganics are actual organic matter, which you know, the fastest way to create organic matter um, is to burn or to apply groganic. So um, adding that organic matter into the soil will help to hold moisture, hold nutrients. The climbing, vining um, fungi that creeps and crawls that acts much like that spider web, uh, a spider web effect in the soil helps to keep moisture and nutrients suspended. So it's building your sandy soil, Jared. Um, which, you know, I know you know these things because you've used the products before and you've seen results. But in addition to that, we have minerals which are important for plant growth and development, but that also transfers those critical minerals into your deer through that green vegetation. So we're trying to cover the basis, um, but most importantly, immediately available NPK and calcium. Um, triple 13, triple 19, thanks. 
contain NPK. That's it. They don't have calcium. They don't have micronutrients. They don't add biology. They don't add organic matter. They don't add carbon <clears> to feed the bacteria. They don't have any of those things, right? So that right. in that combination helps us to produce that picture I shared with you, that testimonial from that customer where he had applied 300 pounds of triple 19 to start his carnage brassicas on one acre and immediately right next to it with a CRP, a line of CRP separating it, he spread out one 40-pound bag of organic over an acre thinking he was going to really spread it out off the front of his side-by-side only to realize it was only spreading about three foot wide. However, that one 40-pound bag zigzagged around uh, in some crazy design on his one acre produced 11 to 12 inches of growth in the same period of time, the three and a half weeks that he had four to five inches um, with the use of 300 pounds of evenly distributed uh, triple 19. Amazing. Yeah, that was an impressive picture, no doubt. Well, it's been duplicated over and over. Um, you know, there's some testimonials on our page from a from a gentleman um, talking about carnage brassicas with with the Groganics out in Minnesota, and he was a diehard fan of another you know seed company from that area, and he didn't think it could ever be outproduced. And these guys, there's five guys, they pitch in thousands of dollars, and they compete for who can grow the biggest baddest looking food plot that the deer love and who shoots the biggest buck. And I can tell you <laughs> this guy put it right next to this variety of seed blend that, you know, is a is a big name and uh, you know, is does a good job, generally does a great job of producing great forage and availability for deer. Um, but they had a drought and when they hit that drought, what what he commented to me on, he did a triple nineteen with this product, he did our product with Triple 19 and, and both products with Groganic. And what he said to me, um, I'm sorry, he did Triple 19 on that product and he did Groganic on the Carnage Brassicas. And what he said to me was that when we, and it's, and it's a testimonial on our page, he said when we hit the drought period, Groganics um, continued to stay green and healthy where the other product wilted and started to kind of droop and go into a dormancy stage. After the moisture returned and they started to get a little bit of rain, not only did the carnage brassicas stay green the entire time and continue to grow at a much slower pace, but they still continued to grow. When the moisture returned, they blew up and way outproduced that other uh, particular seed variety. Um, and, you know, that's a that's a compliment to not only the particular seed species that are in carnage, but also the adder of the, the groganics. And I can only, uh, you know, hope that this year, um, as I've spoken to that customer this spring, and he shared his story and the deer that he shot, that he'll uh, introduce some retain into his food plot this year and really control that moisture um, when he plants his entire plant, uh, his entire food plot full of carnage and, and uh, uses groganics on the whole thing this year. Wow. Nick, that's that's super amazing, and I mean, I've planted your products now for for four years, and whether you were a partner of the podcast or not, or a friend of mine or not, this guy, being myself, turned you know amateur into who I am now, trying to learn, doing as much as I can, talking about this stuff once a week, whatever. My 
my food plots look awesome. I mean, I'm not saying people can't do it, you know, just just with, with the basic run-of-the-mill stuff, but with all the money and time that I put in, I want the best. And I and th- you can look on our Facebook page. The background picture for our, our cover photo for the first, I don't know, year of the podcast was my food plot, Brassicas. I mean, it looks like Lee and Tiffany's plot. I mean, if I can do it, and I can take it out to a sandy soil with with high maintenance soil like like your your toughest stuff and go out there and grow you know 18 inch brassicas on a on a September 1st food plot I mean it really speaks truth to to what you're saying and and I, I do appreciate all the knowledge and, and the time you put into your products because guys like me are benefiting from it so I encourage your listeners not just because you're a partner to check this out, but because I have literally had success not knowing much about this stuff and being very impressed. So I, uh, I give you kudos, man. And, and your your organics well, needs to go in, into the program as well. I mean, this stuff is, is legitimate. There's no doubt about it. So We're excited about we're We're actually, you know, I'm never, I'm never content with any product we have. It's never done, you know. It's... Uh, we might put it on the shelf for a little while and let it ride and do, you know, do its good work. But um, we're evolving it even further. We're going to have a Groganics Generation 2. Uh, we have a new 705 with a 4% calcium coming out, that zero being the phosphorus. So we're not continuing to add more and more and more phosphorus into the ground. A lot of the soil tests that we're seeing also have extremely high phosphorus levels. And until this new product that we're, we're uh, looking to release here um, a little bit later this, this uh, spring. Um, we have not had, historically, nobody has really had a good, a good way of breaking down the phosphorus levels in the soil and, and getting them under control. And yet, you know, we continue to pound our synthetic fertilizers or, our, or pounding even organics as a natural phosphorus level. So I wanted to supply a fertilizer that met the, the qualifications and the results that our current organics is doing without adding salt, but without continuing to build on top of those phosphorus levels. And so with that 705 and a 4% calcium with all the standard stuff that's, uh, uh, well, beyond standard, but all the things that are definitely needed in the soil and the micronutrients, carbon, calcium, minerals, the biological packaging, the organic matter, we wanted to be able to to help our customers and, and those throughout the country that have a phosphorus problem to be able to have a solution um, to be able to have a successful food plot without adding to that problem. Um, we also are going to be releasing our latest version of Groganics in a 444 with a 4% calcium. So there it went. The number dropped from an 8 to a 4. Well, that's because we are constantly moving that bar and we are uh, elevating it and we're finding new and better ways to uh, make that nitrogen source more and more available to the plant, help the calcium um, disperse within the soil. And we are excited to be able to offer this both of these products are going to be organic. Um, they're going to be OMRI certified, which means they're organically certified products. 
so they will not burn your paws of your animals. They won't burn your kids' uh, feet or hands. Uh, as you broadcast this 705 with a 4%, you're going to be able to grow your, your lawn with that in your yard. You're going to be able to not have to stake it out with yellow flags for the next 7 to 10 days like you do after your fertilizer guys have come to your yard and spread this highly um, um, uh, concerning fertilizer all over that has the right. and that can burn the paws and, and burn the feet of your kids, you're going to actually be able to apply this product and go out and enjoy your yard again. You're going to be able to use 444 not only on food plots, um, but you're going to be able to use it in gardens and potted plants and you're going to be able to use it in the other aspects of your life. You know, just like I mentioned earlier, you know, I'm getting into some other arenas with industrial hemp. You know, I'm, I'm looking at solving problems outside of just food plots. And I know this podcast is associated with, you know, looking at, looking at that. But look, you know, at the end of the day, you work on your food plots, you go home, your wife is concerned about what the yard looks like. You're concerned about what your yard looks like. And hey, why not provide a, a solution? that can keep mama happy and keep the flowers growing and keep the kids and the dogs safe while, you know, you're out working on your food plots and you're doing the same thing out there. So definitely uh, dual purpose, always thinking out of the box. I'm a big picture guy looking down the road to figure out, uh, you know, where we can help and, and how we can help and the, the products that we're delivering. Um, they definitely have multiple functions. No, that that's awesome, man. And uh, you know, I have a guy up the road who his yard looks pretty spectacular. I don't know if I can beat him, but I'm I'm really gonna try. So I do. Oh yeah, uh, can. <laughs> I, I love it, man. And 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 you know, Brian's got a a truckload full of killer food plots going in the ground here real soon and, and this year. So and and I do as well coming up. So guys, pay attention to the videos we're gonna be putting out the post we're putting out, we're going to document in detail how we at the podcast plant these products like everybody else. And we're going to show you our successes, our failures, and everything in between, and hopefully a big old buck at the end of the, you know, the October, uh, the month of October, maybe even November, um, one of these big boys drop in lying in a field of carnage brassicas. We will see. But, Nick, I just wanted to thank you so much for, for coming on. We got, a, I mean, another amazing podcast, man. There's so much information coming out of you that's just, I mean, it, it, I, I want to call you the mad scientist, but that's already Mark Drury's name, so I can't do that. We have to come up with one for you because you are literally on another level, and I love it. <laughs> well, I appreciate you guys having me on. You know, I'm, I, I love to be a resource. I love to educate. Uh, for me, it's it is truly about the challenge of solving problems and, and bringing solutions. You know, there's many seed, uh, seed blends in our lineup for the, I call them the poor man food plot, where you don't have to have all the crazy tools, $50,000 tractors and all the toys, uh, with a little bit of, uh, with a one gallon sprayer, a rake, a weed whacker or a sickle, um, some deep woods, carnage brassicas. Lethal Winter Oats or our new crop duster, you're going to be able to have a successful food plot. So don't give up. Don't give in. Throw, you know, throw us a, an email out there or, or reach out to the guys, you know, you guys on the podcast. and We're constantly talking, so hopefully we can help educate some folks. And, you know, can't base this fall, but we're going to be able to produce results like they've never, never had before in a food plot that is going to produce more 
natural movement from their white tail, and I'm excited to see what's what's going to be coming out of Michigan. You know, heck, we had a 231 inch buck shot here last year. That's amazing, and you know what? I, I think there's greater things to come from our state, right? So, heck yeah, buddy. Well, thank you again so much for coming on. We do appreciate your time, Nick. And uh, you know, as always, we're we're right here, ready for another conversation. So keep up the hard work, and wow. we will talk again very soon. All right, appreciate it. Thanks, bro. Thank you, everyone, so much for tuning into another episode of the Habitat Podcast. Thank you to Brian and Nick Percy from Killer Food Plus for coming on this episode. What an episode full of information, guys. Please go check him out at killerfoodplots.com. Give him a call. I mean, he's on the road all the time these days. He has time for phone calls, and he will talk you through whatever questions you have, uh, whatever product questions, situational questions, property, etc. Uh, he's doing a lot of property tours right now. Just uh, He's a good guy, very knowledgeable, and I don't think you'll regret calling him. So call Nick at Killer Food Plots. Thanks again, Nick, for coming on the show. I want to thank our listeners once again for all the great reviews you guys give us on iTunes, Facebook, uh, the feedback we get. It's amazing. Really, really appreciate it. Um, I love you guys. If you can continue to go on the iTunes uh, website or your podcast app on your phone, leave us a five-star review, subscribe to the podcast, write a text review about what you like about the show. That would be super helpful. And I'll send you a free decal. Um, also, if you go on HabitatPodcast.com and drop your email into the subscribe uh, section there on the homepage, you'll be notified of any cool discounts you may get and also entered into a monthly drawing for email subscribers. So check that out at HabitatPodcast.com. You can also find all of our episodes there. We're doing some cool YouTube stuff these days, Facebook, Instagram. You guys know the drill. Uh, find us online. Feel free to reach out if you have any questions. We'd love to help you guys out. Uh, thank you again so much to our sponsors. Killer Food Plots, Michigan Whitetail Pursuit, Dip That Hydrographics, Packer Max Cultipackers, and the Habitat Hook. We love our sponsors. Thank you guys for supporting the show. Couldn't do it without you. And again, to all our listeners, tune in next week as we're becoming better habitat managers. We'll be back with another great informative episode for you. Have a great night.